A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your nature. For just as you present, presented the parts of your bodies as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness for lawlessness, so now present them as slaves to righteousness for sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from righteousness. But what profit did you get then from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been freed from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit that you have leads to sanctification, and its end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Blessed a man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord, and meditates on his law day and night. He is like a tree planted near running water that yields its fruit in due season and whose leaves never fade. Whatever he does prospers. Bless. Not so the wicked, not so. They are like chaff which the winds drives away. But the Lord watches over the way of the just, but the way of the wicked vanishes. Consider all things so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucan. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the earth on fire, 
and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized, and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two and two against three. A father will be divided against his son and a son against his father. A mother against her daughter and a daughter against her mother. A mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Verbum Domini. In the first reading today from Romans chapter 6, verse 19 to 23, Paul begins this section here, this passage, by saying, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your neighbor, of your nature. The weakness of your nature. Original sin and the fall is not something uh, modernity really accepts. <clears throat> you know, we think that if we try a little bit harder, that if we're in the driver's seat of our life and that if we follow our own self-interest and desires, we'll know a new fullness in life, a new happiness that's constantly presented to us. But Paul presents a stark reality that's much different, that really the choice here is between sin or God. It's not even us or God, but we have, because we have this weak, fallen human nature, this tendency to sin, either we're going to go that route or we're going to go to this blessed life with our Lord, our God himself. And I, to me, this, this phrase that really stands out today is that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That's pretty poetic and stark way to put it. That sin is always a loss for us. In no way does it benefit us. And that there are consequences to sin, eternal life or eternal death. There's a coming judgment on our lives. At Matthew 25, we see the separation of the sheep from the goats. We see the fallen angels who would not serve God, were cast down to hell. So there is this triumph, this victory over sin uh, that the Lord will have, and that sin can be no, have no part of, his, of the kingdom of eternal life, of course, or be in the heavenly throne room. But it's due to our choices that this loss of communion with God, that's a result of sin, serious sin, uh, it's eternally lost, without mercy, without God's forgiveness, without our faith and acceptance of that. But also, that sin entails an unhealthy attachment to creatures. And that attachment must be purified here on earth or after death in purgatory. So to say the wages of sin, that's saying that there's this consequence that flows from the nature of sin itself by our choices, 
There's a payment that we receive when we sin, if we don't repent and turn from it. It turns us inward. We have this attachment to things of this world, attachment maybe to our own self-will, turns us in on ourselves, it disrupts our relationships uh, with God, uh, the church and others, and the world even. And we're not part of the solution when we embrace a life of sin. And that needs to be purified in us. So we are called to do penance, works of mercy, charity, prayer, you know, to rid ourselves of this distorted attachment. That we must get rid of the old man, the old Adam, and embrace this new life in Christ, this new creation, and become a new man that Jesus offers us. So it's a choice between freedom through obedience to God, and Paul uses the most striking of terms. He speaks, speaks of slavery to God, slavery to righteousness, or a slavery to sin. So it's really not about ourselves. It's like we become a slave to sin when we commit sin. Modernity likes to present it another way, that we somehow have this control over our own lives, but really we're becoming enslaved. We're losing control. God offers us freedom. It's a power. It's a power to do good. And the more times we choose good and live a life of righteousness, we grow in freedom. And we as Americans, that's our deal, right? If you go to, if you go to Washington, D.C. and look at the Capitol building on top, there's Lady Freedom. That this whole enterprise was to embrace a greater freedom. But without God, without obedience to his law, we don't live that freedom. Savory is a difficult metaphor but it speaks of, at the time, you know, at the time of Christ, the Roman Empire, there's estimated of 50 million people was part of that population, you know, the empire as a whole. 10 to 12, 20% were enslaved. So that means five to 10 million people uh, were slaves. That's how their economy ran, so to speak. And so that, you know, that was a metaphor people understood, especially the letter to the Romans, right? <laughs> So we talked about slaves, they knew what that meant. And so the choice is, are we gonna be slaves of God, of righteousness, and receive eternal life or not? So he warns us about you know, giving our parts of our bodies as slaves to impurity or lawlessness. We are to present them as slaves to righteousness, not to live in impurity, and that certainly has a hold on our culture today. You know, with the sexual revolution and promiscuity has been embraced and all kinds of perversions, it leaves so many wounded by this. A divorce culture leads to abortion, leads to uh, the breakdown of the family, which is so necessary to raise children and just the benefit of the spouses as well. You know, all that is attacked when this sexual revolution that embraces this impurity as a consequence of it in so many ways that we're not going to follow the law of God. And marriage itself, you know, is so 
attacked and skewed today. If we just think of that, you, know, you have the male and the female being brought together in this loving union, this bond. Male and the female that have complementary differences, that that sexual difference allows for a union, that they complement one another with particular gifts given you know, that the male or the female has. And it's an image, of course, of our relationship with God. We see that even in the Old Testament. Israel's the bride, you know, God is the bridegroom, and that we see that in the fulfillment in Christ. And it's an image of our giving ourselves to the other, that this freedom is fostered, furthered by this self-gift of serving others. And maybe that's the charity of this fire that our Lord wants to cast upon the earth, this fire of charity, this life where we're not turned inward and warped and just focused on ourselves, but to service of others, to have that freedom to grow in virtue and freedom to serve, to give ourselves to others. And that's especially imaged in marriage because you have the other before you, someone different, the two genders there that we can express in marriage that come together, that serve one another, that submit to one another, that lay down their gifts for the other. That's an image of the whole spiritual life that we are to live in the world, to give of ourselves, not to be slaves of the world and slaves of sin, but to be able to, to, to have this freedom of obedience to God. Because when we obey him, we grow in freedom and eventually destined to enjoy eternal life. What a fire. What a fire if we set that, if the world was blazing with that. <clears throat> and I heard a reflection by a spiritual writer recently that I said, you know, maybe it doesn't take as much as we think. If you think of a city and somebody, some group sets fires to different parts, it could catch the whole city on fire. You know, if people really witness that fire of charity, it draws others to give of themselves. That there is, yes, a weakness, a fallen human nature, but we're also drawn to the good. If people see this self-giving in us, it draws them, and they too catch fire. May we be faithful to this gospel to live this fullness, to enjoy the freedom of the sons of God.